Welcome to the College Commons Bully Pulpit Podcast, Torah with a Point of View, produced by the Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion, America's first Jewish institution of higher learning. My name is Joshua Holo, your host and dean of the Jack H. Skirball Campus in Los Angeles. It's a tremendous pleasure and honor to welcome Alan Cooperman to the Bully Pulpit Podcast today. Alan is the Director of Religion Research at the Nonpartisan Pew Research Center, and among his many, many roles prior to joining the center, he was a national reporter and editor at the Washington Post and a foreign correspondent for the Associated Press and foreign correspondent and editor at U.S. News and World Report. He comes bringing a wealth of topics under his belt and expertise, and we would like to discuss in particular two Pew Research Studies which have made waves in the Jewish community and beyond, I suspect. One in 2013, known as the Pew Research Study on the Jewish Americans, and the second in 2015, about Israeli society. So, Alan, thank you very much for joining us. It's really a pleasure to have you. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you very much. So let's start against the backdrop of the 2015 study. And if you were to have read the Jewish press in the wake of that study, you would have walked away with the general impression that there is a chasm, perhaps an unexpected chasm, between Israeli society and American Jewish culture and society as well. Is that a fair takeaway? It might be a bit exaggerated. There are, in the study, data points that I think lead to the conclusion that the perspectives of Israeli Jews and of American Jews are, on some issues, quite different. Just a quick example, when we ask, just as an open-ended question, what's the biggest long-term problem facing Israel? 66% of American Jews, two-thirds, name a security issue. They say, oh, it's uh, the Iranian nuclear program, or it's uh, terrorism, or it's the problems with Palestinians, or something something along those lines, a security issue. When Israelis are asked this question, Israeli Jews, about four in 10 name a security problem, but just as many, an equal number, four in 10, name an economic problem. They would say things like, uh, they did say things like uh, the high cost of living, uh, lack of affordable housing in big cities, lack of good jobs for our young people. And a very, very few American Jews, virtually none, named an economic problem as Israel's biggest uh, uh, long-term problem. So they're very different perspectives, and you know, it makes sense. Uh, Another big difference, American Jews are a tiny, tiny minority, and frankly, a socioeconomic elite in the United States with very high levels of education compared to the general society. Not only a minority, we're also an anomaly. That's right, in many ways. And a very well-accepted, a very well-regarded anomaly, notwithstanding the continuing existence of some degrees of anti-Semitism, our studies show that Jews are very highly regarded in the United States. And as my friend Stephen Cohen says, the difference between Jews in Israel and Jews in the United States is that in the United States, Jews are surrounded by people who love them and want to marry them. (laughs) Non-Jews who love them and want to marry them. And in Israel, they're surrounded by non-Jews that they think hate them and want to kill Kill them. Now, that's also an exaggeration. But clearly, there are different contexts. Jews in the United States are a tiny minority, about 2% of the population. Jews in Israel are 8 in 10 of the population. 81% of Israeli adults are Jewish. So from those differences flow many differences in perspective. But 
our survey by no means shows only differences in perspective. There are a number of ways in which Israeli Jews and American Jews have some, I think, important commonalities. To begin with, you know, when we ask in Israel, is a Jewish state essential to the long-term survival of the Jewish people? The vast majority of Israeli Jews say yes. But you know what? When we ask, and is a thriving diaspora necessary for the long-term survival of the Jewish people? The vast majority also say yes. So Israeli Jews clearly see the importance of the diaspora. When we ask Israeli Jews whether they think American Jews are having a good influence on the way things are going in Israel, or a bad influence, or really don't make much difference, six in 10 say a good influence. There's a substantial number, but it's a minority who say not making much difference at all, and only a very tiny percentage, about 6%, who say Jews in America are having a bad influence in Israel. And so on, and as we know from our survey of American Jews, most American Jews um, say that, uh, uh, that they uh, care a lot about Israel. Now, there are big differences in the United States in these attitudes between younger Jews and older Jews. Um, and that is a matter of um, some concern to, to, to people in the Jewish community, and we can get into that. And in Israel, there are big differences in attitudes on the peace process and um, right. a lot of attitudes that are, that, are, that are important to American Jews and on questions of, for example, the role of non-Orthodox rabbis, big differences within the Israeli Jewish population between, in particular, the, what I consider to be the four main subgroups of Israeli Jews, self-defined, these are not my labels, these are the way Israeli Jews describe themselves, Haredim, Dati'im, Masertim, and Hilonim. So Haredim, ultra-Orthodox, that's how it's often translated, Dati'im, religious Jews, also considered orthodox, as your listeners may or may not know. The term orthodox is not a Hebrew term, and it's not commonly used in Israel. So the terms Haredim and Datim are the, the subgroups of the orthodox, and that's what's used in Israel. Masertim, or traditional Jews, and Hilonim, or secular Jews. And these groups are really very divergent in their perspective. So the first and foremost thing American Jews need to understand about Israeli Jews is that it's not a monolithic group by that, any means. That, very diverse group. That alone, the fact that they are much more fractured in their Jewish politics than we are in ours is as much a difference in and of itself as any difference on a given topic or opinion. I couldn't agree with you more. Very, very important. And this is something that Israelis themselves have started to pay attention to. There's been a lot in just the last few years and and with the reception of our survey, this was a big issue. The degree to which Israeli Jewish society, leave alone the gulfs between Israeli Jews and Israeli Arabs, just within the Jewish society, the question of cohesiveness has begun to rise. So in the week after our survey came out, it was very interesting, there was an article in Haaretz quoting the chief of intelligence for the IDF, who said that in his view, the biggest long-term problem Israel faces is internal cohesion. And he meant in particular, and he said in particular, among Jews as well as between Jews and non-Jews in Israel. And he said specifically that he thought that was a bigger long-term problem than terrorism. You know, a very interesting thing, I was surprised at how often, you know, I lived in Israel back in the 1990s as a correspondent for two years as a Middle East bureau chief for US News World Report. I lived in Jerusalem from 1996 to 1998. And I didn't hear this then. What I hear now, I hear Jews in Israel talking about is modern day Israeli tribes. And that these tribes, in part, I, and I've heard the president of Israel, Reuben Rivlin, in response to our survey, talk about the different school systems 
for right. Israeli Jews and the way the difficulty that he's had in his efforts to try to bring school children from varying parts of the Jewish community together and the opposition not from the children but from their parents. So I think people need to understand these differences. They really stand out in the survey when we analyze the data on the questions we asked and most of the questions were either questions about Jewish belief, practice, observance, or they were political questions. We didn't go deep on economics. We didn't go deep in, say, gender roles, though there's some of that. There's a lot of things, you know, about 100 questions in the survey. When we analyzed the questions we did ask, it's surprising, perhaps, to people that there are relatively small differences on most of these questions between Jews by age group, relatively small differences by gender, that is male versus female, relatively small differences on many of the questions by education, whether people have just a high school education or whether they have a higher education, for example, and even on differences between Mizrahim, Sephardim, the Oriental or Middle Eastern Jews versus Ashkenazic Jews are not nearly as pronounced as the differences between these four categories that I keep harping on because they really jump out of these data. Haredim, Dati'im, Masutim, and Hilonim. And people need to understand American Jews, if nothing else, need to become more conversant, I think. Not for policy reasons, but if they want to understand Israel, what's going on, they need to understand these categories. And I know, too, when many Americans go to Israel, and they know something about Israel, but very often you'll note that Orthodox American Jews, when they go to Israel, they spend a lot of their time either with Haredim or with Dati'im. They spend time with Jews like that. And more secular or cultural American Jews, when they go to Israel, they tend to spend a lot of time, I think, this is not from our data, yeah, just, this is my experiential. my experiential, I'm throwing in here. I think they tend to spend a lot of time with Jews like them. And they can also a natural, just human tendency to mirror image a little bit and to think, well, they must be kind of like me or think, see things like me. And that's true. I mean, we're all, we're all the same person. Lenny Bruce used a different, uh, <laughs> different, I won't say what Lenny Bruce said, but we're all the same mm, something in many ways. And yet there are divergences that come out of our different contexts or different perspectives. And I hope that one of the results of this survey, the survey we did in Israel, is from the perspective of American Jews to help them to better understand what's going on in Israel. What they take away from it or what they do about it, that's not my business. I think that the data is borne out anecdotally when American Jews in one way or another, either um, developing social relationships with, with Israeli Jews in America or visiting Israel, when we're confronted with the apparent anger across the tribes in Israel, the, the, the proverbial tribes that you've outlined, what appears to us as a real lack of solidarity amongst the Israeli Jews following precisely those, those, those lines, it can be alarming for American Jews, many of whom were brought up on a certain myth. Yes, I can give you a couple of examples. Um, one that might jump out from the survey is, you know, there's very little religious intermarriage in Israel. Not surprising, 80% of the population is Jewish. Virtually all Israeli Jews who are married in our survey tell us they're married to a fellow Jew not like the United States, and virtually all, by the way, of the Christians and the Muslims and the Druze that we interviewed are married to fellow Christians, Muslims, or Druze. But we also asked about attitudes toward intermarriage, and we asked this in a very broad way. We asked people in each group how they would feel if someday a child of theirs were to marry, and then we named you know, a person from, and we named each of the other groups. 
and so just kind of cutting to the chase here, one of the things we see is that Hilonim, secular Jews in Israel, would be not at all comfortable or not too comfortable if a child of theirs married a Christian. The vast majority say that. But even more of them say they would be not too or not at all comfortable if a child of theirs were ever to marry a Haredi Jew. Haredi Jew. If anything, and I'm not saying they're comfortable with a child marrying a Christian, but if anything, they are more comfortable with a child marrying a Christian than with a fellow Jew who is ultra-orthodox. How much credence do you give that when it comes to taking that at face value? Because th there's a kind of uh, utz, there's a point to be made which can be a little bit rhetorical. I asked this of my Israeli friends uh, because I was taken by this result. And my set of friends is no more representative of the whole population than anybody else's set of friends. It so happens years ago, I had been a correspondent in the former Soviet Union. I have a bunch of friends who made Aliyah to Israel 25 years ago from the former Soviet Union. And most of them, not all of them, most of them are relatively secular. They are not Haredi or Dati. And I asked my friends about this, and every one of them said, Betach, of course, you know, uh, of course, that's the way we feel. The divisions, again, between these camps, now, they can be exaggerated. In Israeli society today, you may have heard, there's a television show called Srugim. A suruga is a knitted yarmulke. Surugim are people who wear knitted kippot, and it's a very popular show. And the knitted kippah is, is usually a symbol for the Dati category, as opposed to the Haredi, or maybe Masorti, but not... Uh, Correct. Neither actually Haredi nor Hiloni, usually Dati, uh, some Masorti, uh, but certainly observant. And uh, the, the, the family that, that is at the center of this film really lives in their own circle, and they have really no interactions, virtually no interactions. In fact, there's one famous episode in which someone who's not observant is brought into their circle. And they, you know, for them, it's like someone from Mars. And Israelis have watched this, and I've been told by Israelis that the show's had a very interesting effect on Israeli society, that people have become more willing now to talk about this degree of separation, and maybe this is one of the reasons. In addition to our survey, and our survey also is not sort of coming out of nowhere. Israelis have become very attuned to these divisions and have begun to worry about them. And I, I do not want to suggest that Israelis in their everyday interactions have no interactions with people of other Jewish subgroups. They do. But most of them tell us, for example, most Haredim tell us that either all or most of their friends are fellow Haredim. And most Hilonim tell us that all or most of their friends are Hilonim. Israelis are perfectly willing to say. It, it's, it doesn't seem to be a hard thing for them to say. We, we spend our time with people who are like us, and we really don't know. We really have nothing to do with, and especially in the two kind of polar camps, the Haredi camp and the Hiloni camp. Masertim, in particular, are kind of interesting middle ground. You know, a lot of Masertim are not very observant. This is the court of right. traditional. And should not be confused, by the way, with the conservative movement in the United States, even though the conservative movement's official arm in right. Israel is called mm -hmm. the Masertim. When Israelis call themselves Masertim, that, that's not what they're talking about. They're not talking about conservative movement in the United States. They're, in many cases, they're identifying themselves as Masertim because they do not see themselves as either Hiloni, secular, or as Dati, religious. They're sort of in this middle ground. And, uh, you know, you'll see that many Masortim say that they uh, go to synagogue on a regular basis, but there's some Masortim who say they don't go to synagogue ever. 
and there are some Maser team who, in fact, there are many Maser team who keep kosher, but not all of them. And many Maser team do travel on the Sabbath, and some Maser team also say they shop, they use money on the Sabbath. There's so a, they are sort of a middle group. And there, there's an ethnic overlay as well. Uh, yes. Um, Maser team, actually, uh, the plurality of... Uh, Sephardic and Mizrahi Jews in Israel, the plurality, not a majority, but the plurality, the biggest single group, identify as Masorti. Whereas Hilonim, uh, a majority of Ashkenazim in Israel identify today as Hilonim. Lots of historical baggage there right. and, and, and uh, right. waves of immigration. Law. And people should understand these groups are not monolithic either. Each of the subgroups contains within it a spectrum of belief and observance and a spectrum of political views. Yet, on the whole, it's very clear that, that there's a kind of a ladder here or, or, or a spectrum of traditionalism with Haredim at one end and Hilonim on the other. And there's also a spectrum of political and yeah. social views that follow that and are very sharp on questions having to do with democracy and the importance of democratic principles as opposed to the importance of halakha. Support for certain institutions, I think. And support it. for institutions, the, the rabbinut, uh, the rabbinate, uh, traditional Judaism, um, and questions, for example, many burning questions actually in Israeli politics today, down-to-earth questions like, should public transportation be stopped throughout right. the country on right. Sabbath, or should women be segregated, segregated from right, men right, in right, public right. transportation? Should women be allowed to read from the Torah and pray out loud uh, at the Kotel, the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall? Should non-Orthodox rabbis be allowed to conduct marriages? Should non-Orthodox rabbis be allowed to, to, to have to, subsidized study halls? Or to that. do conversions? Yeah, yeah. Should Haredi men serve in the military? On these sorts of questions, again, the, the, the population breaks along these groups very strongly, almost always with Haredim at one end and with Hilonim at the other. You know, just from a pollster's point of view, if we compare some of these things to, to the most reactive polling questions in the United States, like white evangelical Protestants and African American Protestants, how they vote which very different, of course. African-American right. Protestants, overwhelmingly Democratic. White evangelical Protestants, overwhelmingly Republican. Yet the gaps between those groups are not as big as the gaps that we see in Israel between Haredi and Hiloni Jews. Yes, something we hear about American politics in general as compared to the political partisanship in other countries, other democracies. I, I've heard that comparison. I mean, that I've heard us being accused of Democrat-Republican tootledee, tootledum. Yes, and when I look at American politics, I think to myself again and again and again, race, age, gender. And usually kind of in that order. The racial gaps are huge in American politics. Gender gaps are very big and important. Age gaps are important. Education gaps are important. Yeah. And you just see people in these different, by, by different levels of education. Also, religiosity is a very important determinant in American politics or plays an important role. But in Israel, again, I want to say, at least on the kinds of questions we ask, which are mostly political and religious questions, they're not fake questions. These are important burning questions in Israeli society. On the questions we asked, it's surprising to some extent how muted, if you will, the differences by gender and by age and by education are really what jumps out. And you can do this in a fancy statistical way through regression analysis and see what really, holding everything else constant in the data set, what's really the driving or determining factor, what has the strongest correlation with various views, political views, for example. And again, it's, it's so often 
It's where people put themselves. On this By the way, we don't put letter. themselves. Yeah. We asked Israeli Jews which of these subgroups they identify with. And another thing, in the United States, when we do a survey, it is very rare to come up with any categorization of the public that everybody fits into. Right. Almost always you have somebody who says, I don't fit in any of the above. The crosscuts are very... In Israel, yeah. it's amazing, with almost no exceptions of the 5,600 people we interviewed and about 4,000 Jews, they put themselves very neatly into these boxes. We set this conversation up in the context of a, of a mirrored conversation, uh, using these, these studies to learn a little bit about both sides of this, of this relationship. What about the data across the pond, as it were, offers perhaps unexpected perspective on the American Jewish experience or the American Jewish condition? Well, some of this is out of the data or reflected in the data, but also I think it just bears saying, you know, we live in really pretty extraordinary times historically for Jews. Ari Shavit in his book, My Promised Land, says this in the very last chapter or the epilogue, I can't remember which, but he, he makes the point that in the 20th century, Jews experienced what he says flatly, and I would just say arguably, was the very worst moment for Jews in 3,000 plus years of history, the Holocaust. He also says in the following paragraph that in the 20th century, Jews have experienced what is, in his view, he says definitely, and I would say arguably, the very best times for Jews in 3,000 plus years of history. He says Jews created a modern state, Jewish state, which is flourishing in many ways, albeit it has many problems, but it's flourishing in many ways. And also in the United States created what is or can be seen, again, these are his words, not mine, but it's sort of the ideal diaspora situation. And you know, if you just step back for a moment, try to look at things from a lunar perspective, Jews as a people, having experienced in the space of what is in many cases a single lifetime, the best and the worst of 3,000 years of tumultuous history, that's a pretty extraordinary thing to happen back to back. Yeah. And it isn't surprising that in some ways our heads are spinning and it's difficult for us to make heads or tails of it. And are we really living in paradise in America or are we constantly under the threat of anti-Semitism? And is the Israeli modern state an, an awesome and amazing uh, and wonderful in, in so many ways thing? Or is it an endangered, divided, difficult, problematic place? And we're not sure. Well, and the that answer makes is yes sense to all because the, above, the context right? for us really is we can't live, and we know this from our survey, we, we cannot escape the Holocaust. Just as a quick reminder, and probably your listeners are aware of this, but in the 2013 survey, when we asked American Jews about a range of things, we asked which of these is essential to what being Jewish means to you, which is important but not essential, and which is not important. We asked about a whole bunch of things. We asked about having a good sense of humor. We asked about observing halakha. We asked about caring about the state of Israel. We asked about nine different items. The one that the most American Jews said is essential to what being Jewish means to them personally was remembering the Holocaust. And you know what? When we repeated that battery with a few minor tweaks, but pretty much the same set of questions and pretty much the same set of 
options in Israel. The thing that the most Israeli Jews said is essential to what being Jewish means to them was remembering the Holocaust. So both populations live in the still, yeah, yeah, 70 yeah. years away from the Holocaust, but it shapes our views. So I would say, trying to get back to your question, diaspora versus state of Israel, very different perspectives and different experiences, but still a lot in common. And maybe one of the things that can come out of this survey is that we can come out of our own shell, our own perspective a little bit, and maybe see where we live. I say we here, I mean as American Jews. See it from a little more lunar perspective, and in that sense have some perspective. And that may be good. That may be, that, that's not all. Many people read the 2015 survey and said, oh, it's all bad. It's all Soros. Right. It's all bad. I never, we never said that in our report on the survey. I don't say that when I talk to audiences. I think that they're... And I think a lot of people don't feel that. I think a lot of people see there was a lot of promise there as well. I think what we're going to have to do is have another conversation with you to uh, discuss that study and the promise it holds for us. It would be well. my pleasure, and it's my promise I'll, I'll, I'll come back and we'll do it again. I'll hold you to it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the College Commons Bully Pulpit Podcast, produced by the Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and please join us again at collegecommons.huc.edu.